And welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and this is our news and other reporting type things for the month of March episode. Uh, We're on the other side of Chicago Comic Con and Entertainment Expo, the C2E2, as it is known to everyone, so I don't know why I gave you the full name. We're on the other side of C2E2, which was last weekend. I was there. It was a great event. Got to see a lot of uh, panels, do some interviews, um, and all sorts of other fun stuff for multiversitycomics.com, which speaking of which... If you're coming to us for the first time and you haven't checked us out on multiversitycomics.com, I encourage you right now, pause the podcast or keep listening to the podcast, multitask, you know, whatever, and go to multiversitycomics.com. It is your home for all things comics, news, reviews, think pieces, columns, and other podcasts. So there's a ton of fun stuff there, and we hope that you'll check us out. Um, but this is our uh, your home for all things Marvel. And so we're going to dive into Marvel things on the other side of C2E2. In the first half of this episode, we're going to be talking about the news from the last month that's come out. We're going to look at the solicits for May. And then the second part of the episode, you'll get to hear once again from the DC3 cast boys, Brian, Vince, and Zach, as they recap the Marvel uh, Dawn of X books for the month of February. Yes, February. That's right. We're in March. God, this year. Anyway, cool. All right, so kicking off, so C2E2 this last weekend, uh, Marvel... uh, announced less things than I feel like they usually do. I've been at C2E2 the last two years. Uh, You'll recall that last year at C2E2 in 2019, that is when Marvel announced House of X and Powers of Ten, and that Jonathan Hickman was coming to the X-Men, which was like the sort of big, big two announcement of the last year. Uh, The year before that, I think they they also announced a number of other series and stuff last year, like Valkyrie, uh, the Jane Foster Valkyrie book, uh, and some other things. Um, So less announcements this year. Uh, But the big one, the big thing to look forward to that's starting in the month of July and will kick off at Free Comic Book Day is the announcement of Ten of Swords. Uh, Ten, it's the Roman numeral revolution uh, with the uh, X-Men line as the the Ten is an X, just like Powers of Ten. Um, Ten of Swords is going to be a line-wide Dawn of X crossover. It'll be in 15 parts. It'll begin, as they said on the panel and as we reported at Multiversity Comics on Free Comic Book Day, one of the four stories coming out on Free Comic Book Day from Marvel is a Jonathan Hickman, Pepe Larraz. Pepe Larraz coming back to the X-Men after drawing House of X. A, a Hickman Larraz jaunt that's kicking off Ten of Swords. Um, Ten of Swords, as was commented by your friend and mine, uh, Jake Hill, um, on in his uh, Mutant Versity column at MultiversityComics.com. Ten of Swords is a tarot card. It's in the minor arcana of the tarot deck. Um, Teeny Howard has been playing with the magic side of the mutants over in Excalibur, and it was said on the panel that her and Hickman were going to be writing the main sort of issues of the crossover, the biggest issues. Um, so expect Excalibur to have a lot of exciting things. I also mentioned that because it was said on the panel that she came up with the name, uh, which is kind of fun. The tarot decks, too, tarot card things were prominent in, in Powers of Ten, less so in House of X. So there might be some imagery uh, stuff that's going to be carrying over from there. Um, if you're interested, go back and read those issues or, or comment uh, with us on the Mutant Mercy column and any of the multiple in any of the make mine multiversity uh, posts on marvel comics uh or on twitter when this uh when this issue comes out we'd love to hear your fan theories and thoughts we've been 
having a lot of fun discussion in the Multiversity Slack channel about what is going on in the X-Men stuff. Uh, Also, we'll note while we're talking about the X-Men, we'll be back in two weeks in March, uh, and Jake and I will be doing a State of X part of the episode where we're going to recap and review all the recent number one issues from Dawn of X. So Ten of Swords coming in July, 15 parts beginning on Free Comic Book Day. We don't know a whole lot else except for the Mark Brooks lovely lovely mark brooks teaser issue that was released um or teaser not issue teaser image released at the panel which you can find at multiversity and on marvel.com uh just has a bunch of mutants holding a bunch of swords so it is prime time for dumb comic book shit right now uh some notable swords uh wolverine is holding the uh mirror mirror masa blade which is the uh sword that that he's wielded it's a sword that he believes is the only definitive way that he can be killed and no sword that he once gave to cyclops to to possibly kill him if he went bad um there's that uh other sort of notable things magic who is one of the prominent x-men characters to carry a sword is not carrying her soul sword uh xavier has the cerebro blade which was given to him in x-force number three a few months ago it's the blade that magneto forged uh from the broken cerebro uh, that w- where Xavier was shot in the head in the first issue. Uh, so that's kind of dope. Uh, and there's a number of other uh, mutants using their powers to forge blades. So swords, swords, lots of swords. It'll be uh, pointy come July. Uh, other X-Men news, as we're uh, talking about it, we haven't talked on this episode yet about the upcoming announcement of the other giant size issues. So we know now that in May... Uh, the giant size issue coming out is a Phantom X uh, issue and that's going to be written again by Hickman illustrated by Rod Rice Hickman has been starting with the Jean Grey Emma Frost issue which came out uh, the end of February is doing these giant size one shots that are coming out every month uh the nightcrawler and the magneto issues got switched so the nightcrawler issue is the one coming out in march the magneto issue is the one coming out in april uh ben oliver is not going to be drawing the magneto issue anymore it's going to be ramon uh perez i believe or ramon Rosanis. one of those one of the ramones at marvel um so those to look forward to we also know now too that the one coming in june is a giant size storm issue and uh, that one is going to be written by hickman and dodderman russell dodderman is coming back to draw that issue after drawing the Jean Grey Emma Frost issue, which also featured Storm very prominently. So look forward to that. They've kind of said this is going to be like a loose sort of story that will extend across the five issues. Um, So we'll see as that moves along. Uh, The last sort of X-Men related piece, news-wise, is that we're getting a five-issue Juggernaut miniseries written by Deadpool creator and acclaimed X-Men writer uh, Fabian uh, Nicieza and illustrated by Ron Garney. Um, it's the solicit for this issue, the first issue of the of the uh, miniseries, the Juggernaut miniseries, kind of made it seem like it was talking about Juggernaut in a new world and yada yada. So it's it's unclear if it's going to be Krakoa related, if he's going to have any sort of Krakoa connection come the end, if there will be data pages, if it'll look similar to what the X-Books are looking like. But that is coming uh, for your enjoyment and perusement. So... Um, those the, the Ten of Swords was the big C2E2 announcement. Um, there were a couple other C2E2 things announced during the con and at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel, and then we'll talk about the Empire stuff, which there was an Empire panel for Marvel's big Empire event coming um, beginning next month uh, at C2E2. It replaced they canceled a um, the Cup of Joe panel there with 
um, editor in chief Joe. Why the fuck can I not remember his last name? Joe Manchin, Joe Gordon Levitt, Joe Marvel, Joe Joe Marvel comments comic Joe Casada. Wow, I should be ashamed of myself. Joe Casada. They canceled the Joe Casada panel spotlight to do an empire panel um so we'll talk about empire things in a minute like the last few big c2e2 things it was announced at the marvel big thing panel that ta-nehisi coates is finishing his uh black panther run with issue 25 in june the uh intergalactic empire of wakanda which is what all the story that those 25 issues have been telling since the book was relaunched back last may will be um wrapping up uh, was it last May or the May before last? I think the May before last, maybe May May 2018. That's um, been a lovely, lovely run between that and then between the first uh, 24, 25 issues that, that Coates uh, wrote before the book was relaunched. Um, I highly encourage you to check those out. Uh, it also makes me wonder whether his cap run, which is also approaching 25 issues, if he'll be finishing up uh, on that and then stepping away from Marvel or if he has more Marvel projects in the work. I hope he does. Uh, his time at Marvel has been really, really fun. Um, I loved the first 12 issues of Black Panther, the very, very first run. The, uh, the what was the name of the arc? I bought the 12 issue hardcover, but it was good. Um, so that's happening. Uh, it was also announced that um, the character of Ultraman, which is not a traditional Marvel character. It was a character that uh, was a live action sort of um, character in Japan that Marvel uh, partnered with the uh, uh, the Japanese company that trademarks the character. Uh, they announced a collaboration, um, I think sometime last year to produce more stories with the character. So there is a five issue miniseries recapping the characters um, origin that is coming to us soon uh we didn't get a release date for it but it's been called the rise of ultraman it's going to revisit his his origin story uh which took place in the show that he was on this that's going to be written by kyle higgins and matt groom and then co-written by them with art by francesco mana um so that is uh coming uh higgins who's been doing a lot of power rangers things he talked about uh the panel sort of how the idea ideas for this story spun out of that um that sort of experience for him so if you're interested there's more on marvel's website uh and on ours um that should be kind of fun it's a fu- it's fun to see marvel do things with uh with characters that are are new and not theirs they've kind of been acquiring a lot of characters lately you know like the conan stuff is picking up um and, you know, the Star Wars comics are sort of, well, that's because Disney owns them, are, you know, sort of continuing to pump out new material. Uh, but that's another another uh, uh, thing to look forward to. We're also getting another uh, Silk ongoing book. Um, Silk, you know, of course, being the Spider-Man character that was introduced in Dan Slott's uh, Amazing Spider-Man run back in 2014 and then spun out into her own series that was written by uh, Robbie Thompson. She's one of Marvel's prominent uh, Korean American superhero characters. Uh, this iteration of the character will be written by novelist Marine Gu, making her debut at Marvel. She's uh, wrote a book 
most prominent most prom note for her novel, uh, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. And then the art for this book, uh, welcoming him back for Marvel after doing some things with Greg Pak over at Boom, uh, Takashi Miyazawa uh, will be joining her on that. Um, that's a fun, fun creative team uh, for a fun, fun uh, character. So look forward to that. That's going to be released the first issue in July. Moving to Empire-related things, I'm just going to kind of go broad strokes. We have a bunch of tie-ins that have been announced. We know that we're getting a ton more tie-ins. Uh, Marvel has said that on their panel, and it just seems kind of obvious that they're going to blow up your wallet with Empire tie-ins if you're into that. Um, or you can get them on Comixology in a couple months when the trades come out, and it, the trades contain like eight issues for three bucks. Uh, take your pick. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, for example, not in this uh, not in this list of books. It was announced on the panel that we're getting a Strike Force tie-in, probably probably in June. I'm sure that Empire will continue until August, but um, uh, they confirmed that we're getting a Strike Force uh, tie-in. Strike Force is the um, book that Teeny Howard is writing with artist German Peralta, and that's sort of following Blade and uh, and Angela and Spider Woman. And uh, Billy, most uh, Wiccan, most importantly, whose boyfriend, um, Teddy, has a very prominent role, obviously, in Empire. Hulkling has a prominent role as he's uniting the Korean Scroll Empire to come and destroy Earth. Uh, that book's, of course, getting a tie-in, needs to get a tie-in because uh, I need to know what's going to happen with their love. You know, like, I'm really, I'm really into all the space stuff, but the love stuff is really... The queer love stuff is really, you know, where my where my heart lies. So I need that. Um, so that's coming, uh, but that's not announced. Uh, was not announced here. Was not so has not been solicited yet. But we know that along with we're getting another X Men related tie in thing that was announced on the panel and and sort of hinted at in some other announcements. But I'm gonna go through these quickly. We do know we are getting a book called Empire X-Men, which is going to be four issues. This is in addition to the two issues of the main X-Men series that Hickman is writing with art by Linnell Yu that's going to be tying into Empire. So Empire X-Men, four issues. It's going to be sort of trading off being written by all of the Dawn of X writers. So the first issue, I think, has Hickman Hickman and Howard, Hickman and Teeny Howard. And I think the second issue has Jerry Duggan, Ben Percy, and Leia Williams. Um and it's gonna, it features a return to Genosha, uh, which is what the solicits have said. We haven't seen uh, Genosha. Genosha's been talked about some since the, the mutants now have a new island nation. But uh, that was Genosha, who started, you know, being the, the mutant nation that Magneto formed that was destroyed in the first issue of Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. Um, so look forward to that. We're also getting a three-issue Empire Captain America miniseries, because of course, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, illustrated by Ariel Olivetti, um, a three-issue Empire Storm Ranger miniseries. Storm Ranger is the sentient uh, Kree costume thing that Kamala Khan was wearing and received in the first issue of her of her new of the Magnificent Miss Marvel book uh, that's that Saladin Ahmed is writing and he's also writing this thing so uh carrying over from that story this is also going to be illustrated by Stephen Cummings who most recently did Champions stuff with Jim's Up uh we're getting an Empire Thor three issue miniseries from Rom V with art by uh Pascal Ferry uh who's you know very fun uh historic um acclaimed thor artist 
I said on the panel that that book was going to introduce a, a character in Thor's universe that would be very important for character for Thor going forward. Um, so if you're interested in that, we're getting an, a two-issue Empire Squadron Supreme tie-in miniseries written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Diogenes Nevis. Uh, the Squadron Supreme of America have featured prominently in Jason Aaron's Avengers run recently. So this will be spitting out of that story. They also featured some, I think the last time we saw them in his run, I could be wrong about this, was War of the Realms last year because they uh, were defending the you know the, the United States along with other people as the uh, Malekith and the Dark Elves and his army invaded Earth. Uh, a lot of armies invading Earth in Marvel's events. Um, just an observation. Ah, uh, so that's coming. Um, a three-issue uh, uh, tie-in series called Empire Invasion of Wakanda, written by Jim Zub, illustrated by Lam Medina. Both of them have been doing work on the Agents of Wakanda book, so I think this is going to sort of have strings from that. Again, Wakanda always seems to be getting invaded, invaded during Marvel's events, but what do I know? Um, we're also getting... So they announced some other one-shots, and I mentioned these only because there were some other one-shots that have been announced that I'm not going to mention to you. You can pick, pick those out on your own. Uh, but I mentioned these because I'm excited about them. So there's so we announced, they announced, had announced, that's uh, coming out in May, I believe, or April, coming out in April. There's a Lords of Empire one-shot that's coming out in April. There's going to be two more Lords of Empire type one-shots. The first one is focusing on Hulkling, and that one's being co-written by... Chip Zdarsky and Anthony Oliveira, um, which is cool. Oliveira was worked on, has done a, only a small amount of Marvel things, but they've been really fun. This, these next two, the first one is Lords of Empire Celestial Messiah, uh, and that's going to be written by Alex Packnadel, who has done work for Vault on the creator on book Friendo. Uh, he was at Valiant, did the uh, miniseries event uh, Incursion, with Doug Braithwaite, uh, which he co-wrote with Andy Diggle. Um, so that, Alex Packnadel, that one illustrated by Alex Alex Lins. And then we're also getting in June, which was announced on the Empire panel, a Lords of Empire Swordsman miniseries written by Packnadel, illustrated by Thomas Nicklick. Um, I like Packnadel a lot. He's one a, a creator a part of the White Noise Studios folks, along with along with Rom V, Dan Waters, and Ryan O'Sullivan, uh, great up and coming um, British uh, located writers. Um, this is his first two Marvel works, and I hope it leads to a lot more stuff. This is also these issues also sort of uh, cement concrete a point that Marvel made on the panel, and that you've seen if you've been paying attention to the Empire stuff that this. Um, book is grounded in a lot of different Marvel cosmic books. So it's grounded in the Kree Scroll War. It's grounded in the Celestial Madonna Saga. Um, those are both older stories. It's obviously grounded in Young Avengers stuff because um, Teddy is playing a prominent role as Hulkling. So it's grounded in all of these older cosmic stories and newer continuity things, and it's fulfilling sort of these old things and new things. Um, and it seems like it's going to be a really fun continuity-based drive. Uh, you got Al, you got Al Ewing and Dan Slott leading the charge with um, Valeria Skeedy on art. Most of the panel listening to Al Ewing talk about the book. It really made it. He really made it sound like he was doing a lot of the writing 
on the event, like the actual scripting and him and Slot were like co-plotting the book, which is exactly what I want. Um, uh, Slot historically has had a lot of co-plotters uh, or scripters, uh, Christus Gage being one that he works with a lot and, who's, he, and who he's working with right now on Iron Man 2020. Um, and I, I just like Al Ewing a lot. He's one of Marvel's great writers right now. So um, I'm not like excited, excited for Empire, but the more that I hear and also not excited, excited because there's so, so many tie-ins, but I am excited for Al Ewing. I really like Valerio Skeety. I think this is going to be a jaunt that is wrapped in a lot of Marvel's old stories, which for someone who talks a lot about liking stories that like, feel like they're grounded in continuity or feel like they're brawling out other different stories. Um, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't at least like check out the first, you know, couple issues and follow and, and probably follow the event all the way through and then comment and, and, and make my piece um, after that. So we'll definitely be doing that. You'll hear more about empire obviously on this show and on other places on the, on the internet um, as it approaches, as we get to April. There's also a book coming out, they said this on the panel, a Road to Empire book, which is going to tie up sort of the strings of those stories, like sort of recap, like the Celestial Madonna Saga, the Kree Scroll War, uh, and tell you why those stories are going to be important for Empire coming up. I think that issue comes out sometime in March. Um, so look forward uh, to that if you're somebody who hasn't read those stories, doesn't have a Marvel Unlimited account in order to check some of those things out. Um, that could be a good recap issue for you to, to read. One more uh, Empire tie-in. Doesn't have Empire in the name, but is spinning out of Empire, happening during Empire. Marvel announced a book that's starting in May called The Union. Um, that's going to feature a new team of sort of uh, United Kingdom uh, c- characters, British characters who... Um, not British characters, characters from the UK who are going to form a new superhero team to defend the UK during Empire. Uh, one of them is an old character, Union Jack, who we haven't seen in a while, Union Jack, a.k.a. Joseph Chapman. Um, but the other four uh, were, are brand new characters who have been designed by R.B. Silva, who did a lot, of, a lot of the designs for, you know, House of X, Powers of Ten stuff. Uh, his designs are wonderful. There are four different characters that were designed by him, a character called Britannia, who's a woman, a character called Kelpie, who is a woman, a character called Snakes, who is a man, and I think f- representing Ireland, uh, and then a, another um, uh, character named the Choir. Uh, these kind of seems like their characters grounded in sort of like uh, UK, British, Irish, Scottish like mythology kind of things, and then also Welsh mythology kind of things, and then also you know sort of like modern day whatnot. I think it's going to be a really interesting book. It's going to be five issues written by Paul Grist with art by uh, Andre DeVito. Um, and it might be a fun uh, under the radar Empire tie-in for you to check out if you're interested in those things. Um, the last two bits of news, starting in May, um, we're getting a book called The Marvels from Kurt Busiek uh, with art by Yilda Ray Sinar. Um uh, Kurt Busiek, who has done books, uh, did Marvel's the book uh, with Alex Ross for Marvel, and then has also been doing Astro, did Astro City for Vertigo, is still doing Astro City. They just have transitioned to that being uh, not a single issue comic, but will come out in graphic novels uh, more regularly. This kind of seems like this was a book that was announced recently. It seems like 
It's Busiek getting to play in all continuity and kind of getting to do Astro City in the Marvel Universe. Um, it's him getting to tell stories across all the timelines of Marvel and to tie them into some meta story. Uh, Marvel's the book that he did with Alex Ross told the story of the Marvel characters from people on the ground, not really from like the characters' point of view, uh, which is a lot of, I think from what I've heard about like Astro City is him getting to build a continuity and getting to play with and getting to play like with this world and, and some of the minor characters and their viewpoints of the major characters and, and, you know, and vice versa. So that could be a really fun book. Um, it's a, a book starting in May. Uh, lastly, there is a new Spider-Man comic that's coming out in June from Joe Kelly and Chris Bacalo called nonstop Spider-Man. Um, if you're interested in Spider-Man being nonstop, you know, like the, like the Hamilton, uh, uh, you know, song. Um, <laughs> uh, Joe Kelly, I think the last thing that he was doing at Marvel was the Spider Man Deadpool book, and Chris Bocklow was on the main Deadpool book. It's clearly not anymore with Kelly Thompson since it um, relaunched. Um, but we are getting, yeah, they are, have sort of uh, pinned it as like it's going to be all action, lots of Spidey action. Uh, it's an excuse for Kelly and Bocklow to work together again because they did some spider-man work together during the brand new day era and the mid-aughts um seems like it's going to be just another you know side fun spider-man book uh, the last one of those being friendly neighborhood spider-man that tom taylor did which is a really good um and heartfelt book so this one seems it's gonna like it's gonna be more action oriented but if you're into side spider-man stories uh get that side piece spider-man okay Moving on, the last thing before I let it go over to the DC3 boys to invade my podcast. Uh, each month we do a sort of highlights of the solicits for the solicits that came out, um, are the solicits that are most recent. So the most recent solicits that we have before us are the May solicits, the May 2020 solicits. So I'm going to highlight five things that I'm um, excited about for those. Uh, so first, Free Comic Book Day, which we talked about a little bit. Free Comic Book Day is the first Saturday of of May, in May every year. So it'll be May 2nd this year. Um, all the different comic book companies are putting out Free Comic Book Day issues. You can go to your local shop or your local library and pick up those issues for free. And then hopefully while you're there, support the shop, support the library. Um, and it's just a great day to support um, the local uh comic book folks in your area marvel is putting out two issues with four stories uh within both of them kind of like they've done in the last couple years um so we talked about one the hickman laraz one also in that issue is a tom taylor uh ibon coella issue which we know our story which we know nothing about we don't know if it's x-men related we don't know if it's like going to be about a new x-men uh title that's going to be announced if it's going to lead to a new title we know nothing about that but considering that tom taylor is one of my favorite writers ivan koala has been doing stuff uh mostly primarily in venom with donny cates uh recently he's a great artist sort of in the vein of of uh, stefano caselli and skeety uh that marvel's kind of been accumulating um so I'm excited, whatever it is that they are going to come up with. Uh, the other issue is going to be a uh, Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, Venom story. In the first part, it's going to introduce the character called Virus. Uh, it's a character that uh, the cover for Venom 26 came out, and there was this character in this sort of like mech robot suit thing, and it had like the yellow venom symbol thing almost on its center and people thought like ah venom's getting an iron man suit but 
it's a new character. It's a brand new character. Uh, and he's, they're going to be introduced here in this story and then are going to take off in uh, Kate's Venom stuff going forward. Kate's has kind of said that the end of like part one of his Venom saga ends with issue 25. Um, and this will kick off sort of the next big phase of his story. So if you've been following that, look forward to this. There's also in that issue a Jed McKay, Patrick Gleason, Spider-Man, Black Cat story. It's unclear whether that will have larger consequences or it's just fun. Uh, but if you like Pat Gleason, pick it up. Uh, moving on, part two, we've talked a lot about Empire stuff, but as I said, the things that I'm the most excited about for Empire in May are the Pat Nadell written one-shots, which I plan to check out, and the Union. Um, if anything, I think supporting these uh, sort of like perhaps less consequential um, Empire pieces will be a lot of fun. Empire is bringing in a lot of of uh, writers, um, mostly writers, and some artists that Marvel haven't worked with before or have worked with um, only only sparingly. And I like that they're using their tie-ins to uh, amplify these people whose careers are growing. So pick up the Pagnadel stuff, read the Rom V stuff, read the Philip Kennedy Johnson stuff, show your support for those creators if you like them. Um, and also read the main empire book if you're interested in that, uh, over on the X-Men side, we've talked about the X-Men a lot this episode, but come May, uh, I want to highlight Marauders, the Marauders book, um, because on the cover of it is Emma Frost and Storm sort of looking over the casket of Kitty Pride, of Kitty, Captain Kate Pride, who, uh, died at the end of the first arc of Marauders and, has stayed dead through the second arc. You know, the X-Men have conquered death recently on Krakoa, uh, but it seems that Kate, because she was never able to go through the, the Krakoa gateway, uh, is having a lot of trouble being resurrected. And, and this last week's issue of Marauders, um, or this week's issue, this week's issue, this, this week in March, uh, they tried to bring Kate back. The Five did. The Five tried to bring Kate back um, they couldn't they were having a hard time doing it so we don't know what that mystery is we don't know if she's dead dead we don't know what's happening um but that should provide some answers and that book has been one of the best books of the dawn of x stuff so this that big mystery whether paying off or not is at least going to take a big step forward in that issue uh we're also getting more hawkeye freefall in may hawkeye freefall Written by Matt Rosenberg, illustrated by Otto Schmidt, was announced as a five-issue miniseries, but May has a solicited sixth issue of that book, which means that it's now an ongoing, for how long, we don't know. Uh, Marvel's done that with a couple of their books lately, uh, The Amazing Mary Jane, the Morbius, the Living Bam- Vampire book, both announced, like Hawkeye, as five-issue minis expanded to ongoings, either with second arcs and will be canceled after that, or will end after that, or, or more, um, which is really fun. Really fun that Marvel's letting some of their other creators have a chance on these miniseries, guaranteeing them an arc, telling them tell one full story, and then if it's selling really well, be like, okay, keep going. Uh, I mean, like less sort of less cool than like giving those people ongoing books and letting them like seed stories for years to come. Uh, but also getting to have like a full complete story, knowing you're having a full complete story as opposed to, you know, a book running for eight issues and then suddenly getting like stealth canceled or something like knowing you're getting a set amount of something I think is better than having an ambiguous amount of something. Even if 
we would like it if some of these characters some of these creators had more uh more ongoing opportunities more ongoing series opportunities um it is still i think still good that they're getting to work on books um and i'm getting to work on getting to work on maybe lower tier characters who perhaps couldn't support an ongoing or could support an ongoing only with like a, a high profile creative team i don't know but more Hawkeye Freefall. It's been one of my favorite books that Marvel's been putting out in the last couple months. I'm excited that we're getting more of it. Lastly, uh, Daredevil in May um, has is seeing Matt Murdock back in his red Daredevil costume, which he hasn't been in for the last sort of year. Um, and Chip Zdarsky, Marco Cicchetto, Jorge Fornes, and... Uh, and that whole creative team have been doing wonders on um, that book. So we're getting Matt back in his costume in issue 21 or 22, whatever it is, in May. And then also we're getting an annual with art by Chris Sprouse, written by Chip Zdarsky for Daredevil, that only has in the solicit the words, one more day. So I don't know if that means that he's getting back in the costume because people are going to remember his identity if he's taking responsibility for some of the crappy things that he's done i don't know what's happening but you hear one more day in the marvel universe and hard stop because that's a big deal so daredevil has been great pick up daredevil pick up daredevil in may it's moving into it's clearly moving into into its next big phase of stuff uh and it's gonna be wild Folks, that is it for this first episode of March. I will be back with Jake, uh, at least Jake, probably Elias, come two weeks from now when we review in our State of X part the number ones from the X Don of X stuff recently. So Wolverine, Giants has X-Men, uh, and Cable. Hellions will be out uh, after that episode, so we'll take it up later. And then also talk about some of Marvel's other big books from February, March. Tune in for the second half of this episode to hear these three boys break down all of the Marvel's X books for February. Uh, and we'll be back in two weeks. See you then. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, no bad to end Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us welcome back to what if stanley invented the dc3 cast or whatever this thing is called i am brian with me as always are zach and vince and we're going to talk about february in the x books but we're specifically going to talk about uh four titles this month talking about three new books and then we're going to end with a top the talk of x-men um i guess we'll start start with wolverine sure I thought that, sure. that was the first released, I believe, of the new titles. So we'll start what? there. Uh, I think it, it was X-Men, X-Men Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. should we start there then? What, whatever, man. Ben yeah. doesn't care. Yes, let's do X-Men Fantastic Four. Okay. Because I'm on that page in my notes. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, so this is written by 
Chip Zdarsky, illustrated by Terry Dodson. Uh, so I just want to set up for, uh, I guess, for you guys as well as for our listeners, the Fantastic Four are my favorite Marvel characters uh, by far. And I really love, I think Hickman's Fantastic Four run is one of the best comics of the uh, 21st century. This is not Hickman writing it, obviously, but this is, you know, it's putting the Fantastic Four back with Hickman stuff. And so I was super hyped about this before it even came out. And I have to say, I really enjoyed a lot of what was happening here. I felt that Zdarsky did a good job of capturing the tone that Hickman has instituted in the X-Books. And Zdarsky is, you know, I, I think he's a a very successful writer, but also but a writer that sort of has, has not always been great at matching the tone of the other things that he is interacting with, if that makes any sense. And I feel like here he really matches Hickman's tone, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Also, uh, Terry Dotson is great, and I could uh, I could look at his handsome bearded read all day long. And um, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed these two issues. Vince, what did you think? Yeah, I liked them too, and especially the second issue um, really sold me more on the book than than even the first one. But I you know I think. Zadarsky, as you said, is is melding really well with the the Dawn of X status quo. And I think um, a lot of that is due to his script, which I think is really strong. And, and he balances a lot of characters and gets their voices pretty, pretty down pat. But, uh, but the bigger point I want to make about this series and, and, you know, probably every series that is going forward spinning, spinning out of Dawn of X is that I, I love that, uh, you know, just because Hickman is sort of the guidepost for all of this, he's not being precious or Marvel's not being precious about what other writers are allowed to use or not. And I, and I, what I mean by that is there are some events or some books where, uh, you know, I can't think of any specific examples, but like there have been some runs on books where like this, this sort of status quo for uh, Charles and Magneto, like you would only see them in the books that Hickman is writing or that he's involved in because they're like the big, important central characters to all of this, but you're seeing them pop up in almost every book. And I'm surprised at what they let Chip Zdarsky do with these characters in a book that's X-Men slash Fantastic Four that that ostensibly in any other status quo or event could have easily been a disposable kind of side project to all of this. Somehow it feels just as integral as anything else, you know? And I, I think all the books have felt that way. Uh Fallen Angels being like the one exception we've we've keep talking about. I as, was just as, gonna say, even yeah. Fallen Angels, right? No, no, but but like apart from that, like the, no one's being precious. I, I'm sure they have some guide that they have to stick to, or or you know everybody's getting their ducks in a row, but nothing nothing seems to be off the table. And so I, I'm impressed with how much 
Zadarsky and the Fantastic Four is allowed to intersect in some very major ways with what's going on in all the other books. I, that maybe seems like a dumb point, considering it's very much a part of the Dawn of X status quo, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it is a small thing to say that, you know, anything seems possible at this point. Be, before I get your your take on this, Zach, I just wanted to say the one note I'll make on that point, Vincey, is that this issue, or rather, this series, is the first time we're seeing though something like so in right now in Marauders we have Kitty, yeah, we we have a dead Kitty. And here we see Kitty alive and well. I'm not criticizing uh, Kate. That. Please, sorry, yes, Kate, yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying that this also, because of that, this feels a little bit like the first tie-in or the first whatever, however <clears throat> you want to say it, that isn't um, that isn't like 100% Hickman approved or Hickman supervised, right? Because because there's a very there's a very complex but very straightforward story happening in the other books and everything you see happen in one book is somewhat felt elsewhere and this just feels a little bit outside of that yeah i mean i think you can like write that off with just saying like this happens before that well, of course. or something oh, i'm not worried about it i'm just saying you know it's the first that is sort of uh the first time we're seeing that and we're going to see more of that with 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 the, the further the books spread out, you know. Uh huh. This is just the first instance of that. That's all. Anyways, yeah. like, what do you think of this? Um, I actually didn't like this as much as you guys did. Um, I thought it was okay, but I I didn't think super. I I think I I enjoyed the first issue well enough, and then kind of was a little frustrated with the second issue because it was just, you know, gotta have your, your superhero team fights. Cause this, that's what this is. This is a, this is a versus series thing. So you got to do that, which there was like a little bit of that in the first issue too, which annoyed me that it, like both issues were, were that I was hoping it would maybe be a little bit more, I guess like cerebral, I guess in the way that some of the other Hickman X books have been. Um, but I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I like the stuff with doom. I like the stuff with Kate and Franklin. That's all good. Um, I think one thing that's really interesting to note is that, um, this book, um, is not being edited by Jordan white. It's edited by Tom Brevoort. Um, who I believe kind is, of, the, is the editor of the Fantastic Four title. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, so this is kind of like the only book that's sort of a little bit outside of the the like big X umbrella thing. Um, and uh, you see that like in the um, kind of the graphic design pages too. They're they're a little bit different. Um, I actually think that Zadarsky might have designed those pages. I, I, I would think he might have, yeah. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. But but kind of like you were saying, Brian, like to that point, this does feel a little disconnected in that way. Um, 
but still, I think really important. Um, you know, they, I think Hickman's made it pretty clear in a few places, you know, house of X, um, I think, was it the incoming story with, with Mr. Sinister? I think, I think, yeah, where he kind of like talked a little bit about Franklin. So like Franklin's clearly pretty important to whatever Hickman's doing. Plus his like, you know, affiliation with the, fantastic four i I feel like this is really really important and it and and it comes across that way in the book i'm I'm interested to see where it where everything goes i i'm also really surprised and and kind of uh happy i've never read this series but it's funny how much it's referencing back to the the fantastic four x-men crossover from the 80s i think yeah um that that's kind of an interesting little wrinkle. So, yeah, I di- I didn't love this quite as much as I expected to. The art is really good, but um, it's just not quite as gripping as some of the other stuff in the in the X books right now. Oh man, yeah. One of the things that I that I really felt about this, Zach, and I'm curious to see because you didn't like the book as much, if you felt the same way, is that this is really the first time you know Vince mentioned that we were seeing. Eric and Charles show up in all the X books right now and how that's unusual. But I was also thinking how this is the first time we've seen the X-Men interact with anyone that isn't a mutant character aside from that one bit of, of house of X. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, you know, I think this is sort of the, the beginning of, this is the beginning of the books expanding beyond just be. This is part of the reintegration of the X books into the Marvel Universe. Although I don't think it's going to be a, a major integration until Hickman's done. Uh, I think they're, they're always going to be kind of cloistered off, but you're going to see more of this sort of stuff. And so I don't know if that's reason to celebrate or not. Yeah, I don't know, and it's kind of interesting that it's being done with like this mini series, and then immediately on the heels of this, we're going to have that Empire X Men mini series, which, it, it being a tie-in, I wouldn't be surprised if it has more Marvel Universe stuff in it. So, I, I wonder if that's gonna how they're going to handle the integration for a while. I, I wonder how long it's going to take before, you know, X Men characters start showing up in you know, like random Avengers books or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But Zach. Yeah. You, you gotta love Doombot Sentinels, right? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> huh. It's fine. Anytime I get to hear Valeria call him Uncle Doom, I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah, that that's good too. I thought the Fantastic Four stuff was was good. Um, I'm I feel like weirdly disconnected from Fantastic Four, um, kind of since Secret Wars, and so coming in on this kind of like new Dan Slot status quo was a little weird too. Also, like Reed was a huge dick in this, so ah, uh, he always is. Um, he is, but like. I felt like he was even more so here. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, I thought I thought that the Fantastic Four were actually like very over the top, whereas the the X Men were kind of more their you know kind of cool collected Krakoa selves that mm-hmm. we've seen under Hickman. I mean, I think that that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? I I, I guess so. I think it just kind of like characterized the Fantastic Four to me. It kind of they felt like they i i guess they very very much felt like the guests here and 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 i think because of that they didn't feel quite equal i guess well, what i was going to say about this that i felt was interesting was this is the first time that we've seen scott as anything other than a pure zealot for what's going on like the fact that he says like look as a father if someone tried to kidnap my kid or not kidnap someone tried to take my kid you know it would not end well this is the first time we've seen scott sort of do anything other than just be a true blue believer yeah and that's interesting you say that because i think that's true across the books like i think that's the the longer we go the more scott is opening up but you're right this is the first this is the first time. See, I think I read that a little bit differently. I, I kind of read that as him being just like diplomatic and kind of yeah. kind of trying to manage them a little bit. I mean, maybe he was, but I still think that's significant based on what we've seen from him so far. I guess, I guess so. I just like, I, I don't know what else he is like supposed to say there, really, um, other than just like, Screw you. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. I think we maybe get hints of that too in X-Men number seven, which we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yes, we Right. Will. Yep. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what did you guys think of, like, so in this, obviously, I think one of the big differences between this X-Men run and the Hickman FF run is that there was never doubt in your mind who you were supposed to be rooting for in the FF run. But Hickman has done such a great job throughout this entire series um, of doing a... Uh, of just of presenting the, the, the mutants on Krakoa as maybe the people that you're following but not necessarily the people you should be rooting for. So in this sort of Franklin conflict, did, did either of you feel strongly that that the mutants were correct? Well, I guess that kind of speaks to like what I was sort of getting at here in that, um, I didn't think that the mutants were necessarily correct, but I thought that the way that the fantastic four members reacted made them like very frustrated. Like, like even though I think, you know, like Sue, for instance, had every right to like be angry at this situation and like read. It's understandable that he tried to protect Franklin in this way. It's just like very frustrating the way that they were portrayed and like the way they were acting that it made me side. It made me side more with the X-Men, even though I don't think that the X-Men are in the right, if that makes sense. Sure. Hmm. 
Vince, what about you? Uh, yeah, and I guess I feel it's the... I felt the opposite, although not not too strongly, you know. I think I think I thought they did a good job of making um making it to be a fairly balanced affair. But I think like when it comes down to it, I would I would side with the family aspect more, you know? And I think but I think I think the case is well made that like you're saying, Zach, I could easily see the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all I've really got to say about it. I do really like how the Marauders are kind of incorporated into this. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that works really well with the Dodson art, too. Um, mm-hmm. Because Do- Dodson's not... Not exactly like the uh, quote-unquote house style that that House and Powers kind of launched with, but it's also more in that wheelhouse than most, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just a yeah, very clean, so. clean, handsome style, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, shall we move on to uh, Wolverine? Yes. Go for it. Okay, so we got Wolverine number one. A giant-sized issue. I don't mean that in an X-Men way. I mean, it's just it's 70 pages of story. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy. Illustrated by Adam Kubert and Victor Bogdanovic. Um, so so this very much feels like a an extension of X-Force, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Which I, I wasn't necessarily expecting when the book was announced. Even though Wolverine's an important part of X-Force... This really does seem to be like uh, almost an X Force spinoff book, more than anything else. And I know that we have had uh, our ups and downs with X Force as a title so far. So I'm curious as to what you guys thought of this X Force adjacent book. Zach, why don't we start with you? I really liked this a lot, actually. I think like of the three of us, I've enjoyed X Force the most, and so I liked. I mean, I'm. I feel like this is something that will be really divisive among like people. You know how closely it's hewing to X Force. I kind of don't mind if it is an X Force extension book and and stories weave in and out just because Percy is writing both and and I'm enjoying X Force. So I'm I'm fine with that. I feel like it could definitely annoy people who just want a Wolverine book. Um, but I, I thought this issue was great, um, even considering, you know, the $8 price tag. <laughs> um, because, like you said, I mean, it is, like, 70 pages of story, which is, gosh, like, three normal issues worth. Um, and both had just, like, incredibly good art. Um, I, I actually thought the, like, Bogdanovic section was just like one of the best things i i love that that story um with the with the vampires and omega red i thought that that was just like a ton of fun um which it sounds like it sounds like moving forward um Kubert and bogdanovic are going to trade off so like this the next few issues will be the the like flower cartel Kubert stuff and then the next few issues will be the 
Bogdanovic vampire stuff, which I actually think is really cool that they set up both of those in this first issue. Yes, I agree. Uh, I think that's like a really smart way to hook readers in for at least like, you know, the next however many issues. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, the art team on this is really strong. I felt I felt like the premise for both stories worked really well. I kind of think that the first story is maybe a little bit derivative of stuff that's going on in other books. You know, we've got the the flower cartel stuff I feel like is kind of similar to whatever's going on in X-Force and then the cult of X stuff. I think that's from, um, that's been mentioned in another book, but I can't remember which one. Yeah. Uh, um, but like the, the vampire stuff I thought was really weird and fun. And, um, interestingly, like Aaron's Avengers has been doing vampire stuff. So I wonder if they're gearing up for a crossover there, which would be really weird. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like this book a lot though. Vince. Yeah. Zach, you took basically the words right out of my mouth with everything you said. Although I think overall, I like it less than you. Um, just because, uh, the, the, the first story is really, it's it's everything you guys said. It it touches on all these little things that are you know mostly have to do with X Force. It doesn't mean it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like it did feel like I was just reading an extension of that. And when I read a Wolverine book, I really want like a solo Wolverine book where he's off doing something else. I I don't. I mean that's just my personal preference. Um, and you're right. Some of this stuff, like the mutant drug stuff, that's being handled a little bit in marauders and other books you know i actually um, thought that the pollen stuff was going to be those old lady eco-terrorists that we saw oh, in x-men at first we might never see them again <laughs> yeah, unfortunately i think you're right uh but i don't know i don't know that but um but but the victor bogdanovic drawn one was awesome just a somewhat silly you know by like bringing the vampires in a somewhat silly turn of events compared to a lot of the other stuff in the, the X-Men books right now. But at the same time, like the X-Men have a history with vampires, right? So it would make sense for these stories to kind of intersect with that too, considering they've been intersecting with everything, you know? So, um, so I kind of love it and I kind of love how, how Dracula is basically the Charles Xavier of, the vampires, you know, the, the parallels there are really strong. And and the Bogdanovic art, I mean, he's he's got to be one of my favorite artists, period, in comics, um, going back to the DC stuff of the last several years. Um, it's good to see him show up anywhere. Um, so that part was like catnip for me, the second half of this. Um, I thought it was wildly good. Brian? Yeah, I thought this was actually a really enjoyable issue. I was not looking forward to it. It's so long. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, part of it was just it was so long, and also I I wasn't sure how I wasn't sure how closely it was going to feel connected to the Dawn of X stuff. You know, that's that's going to be the real interesting thing going forward here is seeing how these titles shift between establishing their own tone and their own perspective and hewing close to what is being done in other books and i'm a hypocrite because i want both right i want books that feel unique and different 
but I want them to fit within this sort of umbrella. And this book did a really nice job of that. Like you guys, I will take the vampire Bogdanovic stuff any day over the first half of the book. But for somebody who doesn't read a ton of Andy Kubert stuff, because I, you know, I'm sorry, Adam Kubert. Adam is the Marvel one. Andy is the DC one at this point in their careers. And I feel like I um, I tend to enjoy... I, I just tend to read more Andy Kubert, so I forgot how much I enjoy Adam's work. I thought he did a nice job with the first half of the book. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I actually enjoyed X-Force this month more than I have in years past. Months past, rather. <laughs> All those years, <laughs> it, feel, it feels like years. In months it does. Past. Um, it does. No, it's it was good too. Yeah. Yeah, and so I feel like I, I'm I'm more on board with this because of how I felt about X Force this month. But overall, it was good. I I do wish that we'd be getting the vampire stuff right away, but that's just because I want more vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was certainly fun. Yeah. Now Percy's doing good stuff here i think we you know we we all liked percy when he was on green arrow at dc um i feel like he is hit or miss but um i i think he's found a good spot here i agree uh that brings us over to giant sized x-men uh i believe the official title is giant Sized x-men gene gray and emma frost number one uh, this is, of course, written by Jonathan Hickman and illustrated by Russell Dodderman. Uh, so one of the things we should just talk about sort of off the bat here is how a solid 70% of this issue is silent. Yeah, so this is a like blatant homage to New X-Men 121, which was also a mostly silent issue. Have you seen some of the panel by panel comparisons? I have, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, even like going down to like having the 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 text at the beginning of that issue, you know, the silence, uh, psychic rescue in progress being spelled out in Krakoan here. Um, it, yeah, I I mean, I like just recently read new x-men um all the way through but i i had read that um the 121 issue multiple times because it's like really early in the run and so every time i you know i'd I'd always make it through that part (laughs) at least and so like that is a really like good and uh, and special issue to me um and so like of course that uh, of course, they would want to do an homage here. You know, Hickman has said that New X Men was really influential, and I, and actually, like I read in an interview, it was actually Dodderman who wanted to do this, though. Um, and and Dodderman is one of my favorite artists, um, you know, in comics right now too. Um, the X books really do have kind of a murderer's row of all my favorite artists right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like this issue a lot. Um, why don't you talk about it a little bit more, Brian? Uh, well, why don't let Vince talk first? Okay, well, let Vince talk first. <laughs> I'm usually not a fan of the silent issue, you know, as a as a as a general concept. Um, 
I Larry feel like Hama, Larry Hama would have your head for that. I well, you got you got to love that first one though. Like that that Snake Eyes issue is fantastic, and there and certainly over the years there have been some that have been really well done. The uh, um, Damian Wayne one, uh, the Bat- Batman and Robin, was it sixteen from the New Fifty Two? I didn't like that one. God damn you! <laughs> well, you you know that that new X Men issue was actually from a a whole month where Marvel only did, or maybe not only did, but they did a, a lot of silent issues. It was the Nuff said. Initiative. Oh, that that's right, that's right. And I'm I'm guessing a lot of those would not be to my taste. But anyway, <laughs> when they're this, when they're this like beautiful and emotional, I mean. Dodderman's art. The artist has to really sell it, you know? Um, and I found this issue incredibly moving basically from early on when you when you figure out that that's what's going on. Uh, it's just really moving all the way through. And uh, and it's it's even funny at times. There's some visual humor that comes across in the silence. Um so I think this was really well done. I think it was stunning to look at. I think you could put, a, you know, any of these pages basically up on your wall, and they would look great. Um, and I think it's uh, subtly a very big development. I think in the Hickman X Men stuff, because this Children of the Vault stuff seems like it might be the next. Well, and who knows? It could be completely different a month from now, but it seems like it's the next sort of mystery or threat that's going to hang over this entire thing, right? Um, I but, mean, but, it it seems important. I it definitely there's so many things that feel important right now, but that is definitely one of them. Yeah, right. Um, like you can just feel the books maneuvering their way toward this being the next big thing within this line. I, I don't know. Or maybe it's something, maybe that's something they're just seeding for a larger end game, but uh, it seems pretty immediate to me. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the reveal with storm, um, you know, being fe- infected by this, this virus by the the children back in issue five of x-men is a is a good payoff and and yeah just like visually the visual storytelling in this issue is incredible like all of the little looks between gene and emma are are really really good Mm -hmm. um the way that just like i don't know just the storytelling is so well done. You you always know exactly what's going on at every moment. Um, yeah, I I really liked this issue a lot. Well, so I I had read this new X Men issue many many years ago. I have not read it in a long time, and so I think that it did not. The allusions to that issue did not hit me until pointed out to me or at least uh, maybe if maybe I was aware of it slightly but it wasn't it wasn't in the forefront of my mind right and i think that like so many hickman books this is an enjoyable issue on a couple of different levels i think if you know that issue really well 
You can obviously marvel at the the symmetry of it and all that. But I thought that the story itself worked really well, too. My one note for this is that... What was the cover price on this? Do we know? I think it was 5 I'm pretty I, sure it was four ninety nine. It's only a few... Yeah, it was. Um, it's only a few pages longer than a regular X-Men comic. No, it's about 10 pages longer. Aren't they usually 29 pages in our PDF, and this is 36? No. Um, well, like, a, not necessarily. Like, well, now I'm trying to find, like, a regular, like, short issue, but all the, all the recent issues have been long. Hold so, on, give me a second. Yeah, 20, 28 pages. Yeah, but, uh... Okay. I, I don't know. I, I thought Here's my point. Here, a little longer. My, my point is this. I, I think it was a very effective issue. I think if you're selling something as a giant-sized, bigger issue, it wasn't enough of that to justify maybe the cost slash the... Uh, and, and it was only a dollar more. I, I recognize that. But I, I guess to me it's just it seemed like a really well-told story, a beautiful story, but a relatively slight one in terms of what actually happens in the issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that for, for this... Yeah, I don't disagree with that, yeah. And so I, I just... That was my one critique of it uh, from, like, a marketing slash story point. But I think that for a... It's also interesting because this line of X-Books so far has been so... Like, almost every issue, if it doesn't drive the plot forward, it gives you a lot of stuff to chew on and you may not necessarily not all of it might be important but there's a lot of information on each issue whether it's the infographics or whatever and this just felt like a really slimmed down not at all concerned with giving you more information or or anything sort of beyond exactly what you like beyond a very slim story. And that's not a critique. I, I don't mean that negatively. I just mean it feels very different than the other books of this run because of that. Well, this is also like the first issue in a... I mean, these stories are going to like connect. So it's also like a little bit different than the X-Men, main X-Men book where everything has kind of been one-shots that are not connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think anytime you do a silent issue, you run the risk of the story being slight or feeling slight. Yeah. Um, because like the, it's pretty much just the payoff, you know, the payoff of the one thing and the, and new X-Men 121 was the same way. You had this whole big you know, visual issue that just ended with the revelation about Cassandra Nova. And, th- and this is the same thing. Um, there is like a little bit of world building in there, I think with like the quadruple stuff, you know, the, the Scott, Emma, Jean, Wolverine. <laughs> There's a lot of like stuff going on in there that yeah, that, that was sex x twitter has been going crazy for so um horniest thing i've seen in a minute yeah <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how this all pans out, and if it does, like, if this is just kind of like a sideline thing, because I, I, you know, what you're saying is true, Vince, like, the Children of the Vault stuff could be super important, or this could be, like, it could that, resolve it. In, in, in this thing, you know, like, or whatever, who knows, who even knows. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this connects to everything else. Yeah. I think there's merit in what you say, Brian, about the the price point and the actual content of the issue. Just from the standpoint that, like, we've talked in the past on our show that that titles of comic series mean things, right? And when you say giant size X-Men, you picture that jam-packed first issue of giant size X-Men, right? Like. This is not how, that. How many it's, pages do you think are in Giant Size X Men? I have well, it's no not, it's idea. Not, right, it's not about the pages though. Like what I'm thinking of is just the sheer like volume of. Well, I think that's a little bit unfair because it devalues the art. It devalues the artist. I'm, it puts I, all the value in the words and the plot. No, I, I don't. I don't. I just think that because Giant Size X Men was 37 pages. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you that there's, I mean, there's so much that happens in that issue, though. Well, sure, because it has words and and well, yeah, things that are being they're being told to you. Sure. And I and I'm not saying that that's I, like I loved this issue and I have no problem with it. But I, all I'm saying is like there there are readers and I'm sure there will be who expect a certain thing when they see the phrase giant size X Men. And this is not that, and I hope that they have, I hope that they have more open minds than that. But you know, it very much is not that. I, I guess I don't know. I feel I feel like I got what I expected, which was a, an X Men book that had more pages than normal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's yeah. that's because that's because you're a good boy, though. I guess so. I don't know. Not everyone's a good boy. That is very true. You want to talk about the other giant X-Men book this month? <laughs> X-Men number seven? Yeah. Yeah, let's get to it. This was, I guess, your actual giant size X-Men right here, because it was 34 pages and it had lots of words. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to me, this one is like the giant size X-Questions book. You know, this, yeah. this really... This issue throws down some gauntlets. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think this was like the best X-Men book since Hoxbox. I think I'll agree with that. Mm-hmm. Vince, you too? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> you know, he doesn't even care. No, he doesn't even care at all. You're right. Let's, let's talk about Amethyst number three <laughs> from 1985 god <laughs> no so go off king yeah zach go start, started us off here well i mean i know everybody wants to talk about the the nightcrawler stuff and the crucible and the tower and and apocalypse and all that but all i really want to talk about is that one scene where doug and warlock are sitting and then Cyclops is like, wait, what? And then he's gone because I think that's like the most 
like Twin Peaks moment that we've had in this series so far. That's um, fantastic. And I'm just obsessed with it. That one page. I love it. What do you think of that? I don't know. I don't know. It looks like so it definitely looks like Warlock lives in his arm or he's like making a warlock from his arm because in that one panel his arm is normal and then when he's gone again his 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 cyber arm is back. Oh, okay, I didn't catch that. Yeah. But it's also weird because in the panel where Warlock is there, Krakoa's eyes are open and when Warlock disappears, Krakoa's eyes are closed. <laughs> What does it mean? I don't know. And he says something weird. <laughs> I just don't know what any of it means. Um, and I love it. It's like so foreboding. I compared it to Twin Peaks. I think um, Jake Hill and the the Hoxpox Slack compared it to Leftovers. He thought it was a very Leftovers moment. Uh, um, which, I'm... regardless, are just both things I love. So. <laughs> uh... Uh, what if it? I feel like it was a very much a um, lube man from uh, <laughs> watching yes. the moment. Too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yes, very lube man. Um, this is like the the X Men leftovers issue, though, for sure. I think <laughs> this is the one where yes, everybody gets existential and thinks about God a lot. Um, did you notice that Madeline Pryor is in this too? No. In like one panel, yeah. Um, it's um, well, I don't have the PDF pulled up. I've got it on Comicsology. It's uh, on that. It's page eighteen. She's like, um, it's like the second panel down. Kurt and Cyclops are going through a, a portal, and she's like standing there by Dokken, actually. And it's just like, oh, never mind my my ex wife, who is the clone of my first wife, who. <laughs> went crazy and died she's just standing right there but i'm hanging out with my bros <laughs> um but yeah i i don't have like a ton of stuff to say about all of the i mean the crucible stuff is like crazy and and brutal and sad and i don't know what to think about it um it's a lot they fight with swords. Yeah. So the the thing that I wanted to compare this to is um is did, have either of you guys seen the Black Mirror episode San Junipero? No, but I'm no, aware. Of Sorry, Zach. What was that? I, I haven't. Okay. No. Uh, do you care if I spoil a three year old episode for you? No, go for it. Uh, spoiler alert, listeners. So basically, there is um. You don't understand what's happening in the beginning of the episode, of course, but it eventually comes out that there is this, um, like, augmented reality that people can plug into, uh, like, on weekends, essentially, and then when you die, you can have your consciousness uploaded into this reality. And so there are these two characters that you're following, one of which is... She's basically, she's been in a coma or she's paraplegic. I forget exactly the situation. But she she has not been able to use her body in a traditional way in a long time. And so she is going to this, she's trying out these different, like, simulations, essentially, to to decide if when she dies she wants to go into one of these simulations. And she meets somebody there who just goes into the simulations, basically, to, like, fuck around. And this woman says that 
she will not go into the simulation because her husband and daughter were killed in a car accident, and so like they can't be there with her, and so she is she is not going to she's not going to be in this world where she can basically live forever because they don't get that chance. And the implication is sort of like that if there's a heaven, they are there, but she won't but if she doesn't die, she won't be. Does that make sense? And so there's this idea of like, you know, Kurt is talking here about like if there's a what's the point of a heaven if you can live forever here? And would you would you risk there not being a heaven for living etern living eternally in this like imperfect world? You know, and I, I I feel like it's a really interesting conversation to have if somebody does have a strong sense of faith in an afterlife. Right? Yeah, no, it def yeah, no, it definitely is. It definitely is in like Kurt's the best character to be doing this. I'm glad that he is getting to do this. Um I feel like he is gonna go on a really interesting journey in in the Krakoan era here um, and get to do some things that he that I've never seen him get to do before um, and kind of like fulfilling this role as like this weird I don't know mutant prophet I guess in a way you know um, uh, I'm in for that I think it's interesting that there it's kind of being being posed as apocalypse versus Kurt mm -hmm. in, in sort of their ideologies, and yeah. so I, I'm very interested to see how that conflict comes to a head if it ever does. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how much you guys have like keep up with, you know, Marvel Universe stuff outside of X Men right now. Um, but I've been catching up on some, on some Al Ewing stuff, um, some Immortal Hulk and and Valkyrie, and he's doing a lot of stuff there with like death and resurrection too. And he he recently created this like new character in Valkyrie called the. It's like a, a new cosmic entity called the Death of Death because death is dying because no one is dying anymore. Um, and so I feel like there's just some really interesting stuff going on, not just like in the X books, but in the Marvel, like Marvel books in general, just kind of asking some of these interesting questions, which, you know, at the end of the day, these are these are still you know, old floppy funny books, but it, it's it's interesting. I, li I like that there is this kind of cohesive thing going on, not just in the X-Books, but kind of all over. Yeah. Vince, what did you think of this issue? Oh, I loved it. I thought, you know, for all the reasons you guys said, I, th I think the questions about religion and mutant religion is... Uh, they're all just fascinating and I, I I'm interested in what that monument actually is if it's anything 
You know the the yeah the the, the tower thing. Yeah. yeah, was it cre was it created for him or was it created for another purpose? One thing I thought, one thing I thought that's probably not true is that it's the the inside is whatever the the whatever the particular mutant needs it to be, but I don't think that that's true. The more that I think about it, because uh, because it's hollow, it seems like it was made just for Nightcrawler. You know, because he's the only one who can bamf into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is really fascinating, and that 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 opens up a lot of questions about what Krakoa itself is doing. You know, um, yeah, that's 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 really interesting to me. Um, I thought Lionel Yu did his best work on the Xbooks so far with this one. Uh, I thought, you know, the emotional beats hit really well. Uh, Wolverine and Cyclops in- enjoying a beer. <laughs> that scene uh, came across really well. Um, <laughs> Genie in a bikini, Scott Mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, who wouldn't want to see all of that? Um, yeah, yeah, I just thought, I think, you know... There's so many of those little like beer sharing moments throughout all these books that I really appreciate um, that kind of cut through the the constant uh, raising of the stakes or the constant info dump or the constant uh, plot, plot, plot. You know, I think the X books don't waste a whole lot of time, but they do take their time to give you a couple of these moments now and then, you know. That they that they wouldn't really need to, um, and I really appreciate that. And I appreciated how well rounded this issue was in giving you that, and and contrasting all of that with the sort of sort of grim, but also hopeful uh, crucible sequence. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think you're supposed to feel conflicted about that, and I, I definitely did. Um. I think really, the only really thing, strong issue. I think the only thing you're not supposed to be conflicted over in all of these books is that like something's up with Charles. I feel like you're supposed to <laughs> you're that's the only certainty is that mm-hmm. something's up with Charles. Yeah, and something that I was thinking about too is like I haven't thought about Moira and all this since Hawksbox ended because that's we true. haven't seen her. But, yeah. like, what does she think about all this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, we don't really have to talk about it, but, like, X-Men 6, we kind of find out that they, that Orcus might be making a Nimrod faster than they ever have, which, like, mucks everything up. And Mystique is doing some stuff. Um so that's a big mystique issue, and I believe it is. I, is it the first time that it's become canon that she was married? It is, yeah. So like that was like really heavily hinted by Claremont in his run, but of course, you know, the, being the time, he couldn't explicitly say that. I think he has said since then that that was what he intended. Um, but yeah, this canonizes that which is which is cool 
Absolutely. Well, folks, thanks for listening to uh, our little shenanigans here. We'll be back next month with a look at March in the X-Books. So thanks for listening. Bye.